hello! It's the Dicer Screaming. We're back again. It's oh. Friday. Oh. Yes, yes, we have returned for the Friday episode. Yes, I'm Randy. And this is Mike. And together we form the, the Dice, Dice Man. Man. Here at the Dicer Screaming, we're picking an unusually meaty topic today. This this one, I, I just, I know we're probably going to run over time somewhat on it, but it's too big and too fun. We can't do it micro. We got to do this meta. Right. And we'll get to that in just a minute. So we'll keep you in suspense for a little bit. But uh, we hope that you got some good games lined up for this week or weekend. Whichever uh, you have, you know, we always appreciate all your feedback and comments. And we've been growing. So thank you all. Uh, we're going to give a little shout out in a minute. But first, we have a call in. Call in, call in, call in. And strangely enough, it's. Colin Green from yes. Spike Pit. Oh, yes, and a great name. Colin Spiker from Spike Pit. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. I've been enjoying your podcast as well. Yeah, so we're going to get right into it. We'll be right back after a call in from Colin. Hello, Matt, Randy, Colin Green, Spike Pit here. Um, yep, the Dice are Screaming podcast. Excellent job you're making of it too. Um, I enjoy this. The two guy format you're doing is a little bit different. It sounds like you're you're recording off some um, bullet point notes or something and getting plenty of content into each episode. You're really packing packing the ideas and the content and yeah, really dense episodes. Quite often, I think to myself, you know, do I need to listen to that episode again? But <laughs> with a backlog, I've been trying to work through. I, I haven't been. But uh, as as you, as I'm caught up now and I listen to your new episodes, I think I'll probably be giving them, you know, two, maybe even three, three listens through. But, uh, yeah, great stuff. Take it easy and uh, thoroughly enjoying it. All right, that's Colin Green, everybody, from Spike Pit. And if you're not listening to Spike Pit, you should be. Oh, you really should. Uh, very entertaining. Yeah. Also, uh with regard to what uh, Colin mentioned, on the bullet points thing, you know, it's it's kind of a half-true thing. We, we don't quite do what you would think of as traditional bullet points, like notepad style. Um, it's a little more free-flowing, where we sit down right before a show, and we discuss uh, what is it we want to nail in this. You know, what are the, the top tidbits that we want to make sure we include like power chords, you know, just which ones do we want to hit? We want to, we want to rock that A and just, uh, you know, and then of course there's room for a little solo in between. Yeah, go Neelys. Neelys win! Yeah, so it's a little more free-flowing and unscripted than that. And scary. Yeah, the scary thing is that we we don't actually plan much. Yeah. Uh, it's it's mostly the side effect of like these are a lot like our conversations over the last thirty five years. So mm-hmm. so yeah, you're really getting the insight <laughs> into what we've been doing for years, and we've always compared notes with one another and uh, bounced ideas off. So that's why we're doing this. But thanks for noticing. And while we're doing that, we also have a long overdue call out to some of our followers. Uh, we have what uh, Vincent Cario. Yeah. Uh, thank you for following and uh, Darren, Darren Green. Green. 
and Muchas Gracias. Yes, and Free Thrall. Yeah, Free Thrall. Love that name. Comes with every you know with every box. Uh, a free thrall, yes. Yes. Or it's a free thrall. Yes. Or is it a free <laughs> fall? I don't know. I, I, I'm literally off the wire. I don't know. And of course, uh, our other fine friends on the Anchor Podcast family, which is Gothridge Manor with Tim Shorts. Oh, and Follow Me and Die with Larry Hamilton. Yes, a local cat. We need to hook up with you sometime, Larry, uh, in a good way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in the... Uh... Yeah, just uh, should do a little meet and greet, maybe do a uh, simulcast or something. Yeah. So uh, at the very least, uh, catch up with you at uh, Kalamazoo's very fine con event, mm-hmm. uh, Marmalade Dog. Right. So we'll be looking for you soon. So and also Radio Grognard with Old Man Grognard, and uh, as always. Eric Tenkard, Tenkard's Tavern. Follow that guy. Listen to this stuff. He does it every day. Speaks right from the heart. So uh, yeah, terrific game reviews. Our yeah. shoutouts are done, and so enough teasing. Okay. Yeah. It, it the teasing part is over. Time to stop dangling this in front of you and just actually deliver the goods. Oh come on! What's in the box? Yes. Today we're talking about gods. Ye gods. Ye gods. Exactly. Gods, 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 and more gods. Yes, fantasy campaigns are littered with gods. And for the most part, you know, gods are kind of the DM's puppets. You know, you are the gods when you get to play the DM every once in a while. You are basically above them all, but... You have to be the arbiter. Uh, You've got to decide what impact they have and how qualified the player's, you know, uh, portrayal of a clerical relationship with their deity is. Uh, you're neck deep in him. You can't swing a dead cat over your head without whacking a god somewhere in a fantasy game. Right, and so we're just going to start off with that at the beginning. And, you know, we start with the white box type era and some of the early role-playing games. And uh, from the white box, you know, the cleric was included. And it was kind of a nod to sort of a Van Helsing type undead hunter, semi-healer. But... Oh, yeah. Go into with, much more. With a healthy homage to the battlefield clerics of the medieval era. Yeah, who, the hospitalers. You know, swinging a mace because they were prohibited from we- using weapons that uh, shed blood. Yeah. Uh, so, anybody yeah, hit the, with a uh, <laughs> warhammer can attest that uh, there's some blood involved. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'd kind of take a nice clean sword over that. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. But. You know, uh, the cleric and the relationship to the gods is one of the primary focuses of that class. You know, to be more than just a healing kit or undead turner. What makes a cleric unique? Now, each cleric technically worships a specific deity, but what are those gods? So, early on, you had deities and demigods, the little pamphlet book, and then later it came out with a hardback for Advanced Legends and Dragons. Correct. Which included diverse mythos. and Not that the first one didn't either, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say something about it. But you had things like the Japanese mythology and Indian. Also, the Cthulian mythos, as well as the Melnabinian. Ah, yes. Uh, Which, of course, led to the very infamous uh, alterations to later editions of Deities and Demigods, because there were some questions over copyrighted uh, material. Uh, But, you know, the point being is that right out of the gate, uh, there was a very polytheistic uh, 
list of things that, you know, characters could have practically any kind of deity that they chose. Right. And sometimes it, the, the player could pick out a popular mythology. And this is where D&D kind of started growing into its own. Um, Token is primarily the protean cast uh, cauldron or mold, whatever you'd like to put, as for what D&D grew out of. But it didn't have a lot about gods. As a matter of fact, the main deity was so far removed as to be almost non-existent, and the various Valar were more or less very far away and removed and set to certain uh, ideals or spheres of influence. Yeah. But it was more like Robert E. Howard's Conan, where would we be without oh. the Black Throne of Ehrlich and Set, and of course, Krom. Ah, uh, Krom the Uninvolved. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the, the neutral observer. Like, eh, looks like you're going to be joining me shortly. <laughs> but Conan had a large litany of gods he would curse occasionally and, uh, you know, uh, avoid and run afoul of. But that kind of caught on. And that's where you also see, like, Bapper and the Great Mouser, where they were more cynical. Gods were did exist, like Isaac of the Jug and uh, others, but they were very cynical because most of the temples in Lankmar were there to police their worshippers. Yeah, that it, it's mostly a money grab. Uh, but that differed from the rapid advancement in fantasy role-playing games, where... Gods were intended to have a more active role in players' uh, conduct. That it decided whether you were meeting the strictures of your alignment properly. It decided if you were capable of getting divine spell choices. Yeah. Uh, and if you were truly observant, per the original DM's guide, there was a fair chance, not large, but fair, that you might actually be able to call on the assistance of a deity. Yep, and games like RuneQuest, which had obeisances to and devotions to gods in order for you to recover your rune points and other spells. You had to do things for them, and you had to observe them. So they were active participants. But this led to another little problem, and we're just going to touch on this very briefly, the little segue here. Segway time, segway time. Segway man! Uh-oh. And yes, so um, with gods came the baggage of stats. Because they included them, they started statting them out. Now, nothing really wrong with that per se, but then what the deities and demigods became was kind of like a monster manual, if you will, for high-level <laughs> characters. Hey, who are we going to kill today? Oh, yeah, hey, let's go kill Thor. Yeah. I'm going to take his hammer. Yeah, I really want that trident up of Poseidon. Oh, yeah. We're going to go pimp-slap him until I've got that. You know, just, yeah, it... it there were some silly moments in that golden age of gaming. Uh, because if you put stats on it, there is always a player somewhere at that at some table that's like, well, if it's got stats, it can bleed. Uh, Do you bleed? <laughs> Are you a god? Well, you always say yes. <laughs> when they ask if you're a god, you say, say yes, yes, Ray. So, yes, you have... You had that kind of thing, but uh, second edition and later editions kind of covered that up by just not statting them. Okay, you know they kind of give some lip service here and there in third edition about that they have stats and they have some levels, but you really don't care because gods are beyond you, and that's where they should be. They really should be beyond you. Um, if a god really appears, uh, it's so rare 
that you should make it maybe once or twice in a really long-running campaign that a god directly intervenes. More like the classical deus ex machina, you know, suddenly a wind fills the sails of your ships and you're moved out of the doldrums, or where it looks like the earth's about to cave in on you, suddenly there's a great splitting of the ceiling and light pours in and you've got a way to get out. That's how divine intervention should be handled. But we will go back to that in a minute. But we would be remiss if we didn't visit the basic fact that the cleric probably is the single class that we're going to talk about here, uh, having a direct relationship with a god. Oh, well, excepting, of course, the druid. You know, but, I mean, they're off in a corner somewhere in a hemp shirt with their organic soap. Uh, so they don't count. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, well, I'm he's kidding. got a point. I'm you kidding. can have a druid with a specific deity of nature, yeah. like Maliki. You know, uh, Ed Greenwood really picked and chose. He took Tai Chi, the goddess of luck, from... Uh, the Greek pantheon, he took Miliki from the Finnish mythos, and he kind of made a conglomeration of a list of deities, along with his own homebrew ones that he brought in. And I think that is, as you start a campaign, that's where you should start. Now, this is pre-assuming, of course, when you're doing homebrew, pardon chili, uh, but if you're doing a homebrew, you have a lot of uh, work ahead of you. But if you use a pre-established campaign, or pre-written, like um, classic Greyhawk. Or Forgotten Realms. They have a list of deities. Now, it doesn't mean you're stuck with those, because obviously there's always room for another god. Yeah, it's like Irish families and orphanages. Oh. It just, you squeeze in one more. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's always room for one more. But with gods and the clerics come the spells and specific abilities. Now, Dungeons & Dragons specifically, like in 2nd Edition, began to give more uh, abilities to their clerics for using certain weapons or obeying certain strictures. Like, Bonus spells, for instance. Yeah. Things that uh, you only get serving that particular deity. Uh, if your character happens to be a uh, servant of a deity of, you know, like uh, defense and battle, you mm -hmm. know, and wisdom, uh, then, you know, maybe you're looking at... Uh, little temporary an wisdom perk or an enhanced weapon selection. Yeah. Uh, spells that are ideal for being a bulwark against oncoming foes. I, I liked that. I think that it brought a lot to the concept of the cleric. Versus uh, the gods of, say, trickery or deceit. Ah, yeah. They pull off that little con artistry or, uh, you know, the little sleight of hand stunt. Uh, all of a sudden, that's appropriate for your character. I thought those were terrific ways to bring distinguishing characteristics to clerics uh, because it came out of such an era of, you know, let, let's face it, the cleric got a bad rap. Yeah, you were the heel bot. You were literally, before the invention of MMORPGs were even really thought of, the cleric was the guy with the heel spell. Hey, I'm hurt. Help me, cleric. Well, I would like to cast flame strike. Well, I'm missing an arm. Well, too bad for you. But, yeah, if you're going to play a cleric, you had to help out your bros. You had to, you know, prepare a couple uh, cure spells. And uh, not that it wasn't fun smiting undead uh, and laying waste to enemies, uh, but you did find yourself called on as robo-healer. Uh, yep. Know. Roll in the uh, healing IV. Uh. Yeah, healing duct tape. Uh, and so with the cleric kind of came this kind of uh, 
well, geez, we really need somebody to play the cleric. And to help entice people out of that role, they began to give more perks. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Some people say, well, you know, this is playing the cleric is his own reward. And right you are. But more to the point, it's rewarding good play. And as we mentioned, that there are other characters that are involved with deities, like to a lesser extent, rangers, but primarily paladins come to mind, are also tied intrinsically, usually, and most importantly, to the gods of law and good. Yeah, that these are dedicated servants, and their conduct is judged, because yeah. it is representative of their class and deity, you know, that they, they have to live up to this, or the benefits of that class cease to be theirs. Totally appropriate ruling. Uh, now... You know, those are the exceptions, not the Yeah, rule. and of course, any so player character... Compared can... to these, the cleric was pretty bland. Yeah, and so any real player or character, not player, but character, can be a worshiper of these gods and receive some minor benefits here and there, mostly in the form of small bonuses to the divine favor role. And again, which will kind of push down the road, but... but do want to mention that the less intangible, less invisible benefits of uh, having a player character who is a devout follower, uh, and devout meaning that uh, actually tithing, uh, a little actual sacrifice on the part of the character, uh, turning in gold to temples or, you know, dedicating great deeds to their chosen deity, uh, these can result in favors from temples. Like, if you're a major patron, uh, it, wow, this is the guy who paid for the building of this temple. Uh, well, guess what? You know, you got a room for free tonight. And also some discount on spells and uh, healing. And yeah, stuff. they've always got time to slap a healing spell on you, you know, because, frankly, that temple wouldn't be there without that character. So, yeah, there are benefits that you can mention to player characters that go beyond just, like, well, you picked up 2% on the Divine Intervention table. It doesn't feel like a lot, but there are other perks you can throw in there. Right, and here's the point about the Cleric as a class and why deities are so important to maintaining that fantasy feel. You have a vast array of deities to choose from. And with that is also you, your, your deity that you choose as a Cleric also gives you probably several rivals. And so you have kind of a built-in, like, I have an enemy. Yeah, this is DM heaven, okay? This this is where every DM looks forward to characters picking a side. Uh, because wherever they stand, something stands against them. Uh, and as the arbiter of that, the DM gets this leeway to create adventures and to employ their own creativity however they see fit. Uh as soon as that door opens. Right. And making sure that your cleric has opportunities not only just to play out obeisance, ties, and other functions appropriate to that deity. This gives the motivation to do quests in the deity's favor and against its enemies and hold up the primary ethos of that deity. Now, whether, you're, again, you're using your homebrew or you're using a pre-established setting, it's important to know that the player who chooses a cleric, what that deity is required of its followers, and what some of the expectations are. And the player may choose to not follow them strictly, but, you know, those can also lead to bundle punishments or disfavors. 
right out of the Greek mythos. And now we're going to get into the where we've been pushing it off to divine intervention. And uh, this is where probably the cleric holds a little bit more power than you would want, oh, you would think than other players. But that's not necessarily true. As Mike mentioned earlier, other players, when their characters can also be devout followers and uh, gain certain benefits as well. But if the cleric really in the hour of need calls forth from his deity, yep, it might actually be worth your time to roll. But, you know, sometimes they can send servants. Rather, if direct intervention is needed, they can send a representative. Like an evil god might choose to send a demon or devil, a very powerful one to aid, or if nothing else, just get the cleric out of there. And right. a good deity would probably send a powerful servant to aid indirectly and only intervene if it is the only choice. Because most of the time, the gods are removed from your campaign world. And they shouldn't be just walking around. If they are, then, well, okay, you can play that kind of game, but you're kind of getting out of the scope of what the place of the deities are. Yeah, it's not meant to be ex deus machina all the time per you know medieval theater. Uh, it is meant to have a definable impact on the conduct of player characters uh, without doing the job for them. There, you know, if there is a religious component to their activities, then the end result of that should not be, oh, well, you know, we can always fall back on the deity to take care of it for us. Yeah. It should be more like, well, you're the pawns in this game, and hey, it's not like the gods are opposed to the occasional heal spell dropping onto you at a moment of crisis, but most of this is going to be on you. So, you know, don't go looking for help. Just. Yeah, and that's really what you do with the divine intervention. You make it, it should never really, in my mind, at least be over 20% ever. And oh. I mean, uh, yeah. and that requires to get to 20% in my, in my uh, view is like requires literally a year or two of solid, consistent play, doing deeds, making sacrifices, putting aside your own character's best interests and in the goals of the deity. Those will get you that kind of role, but it's hard. Yeah, uh, playing uh, first edition, I've never really had anybody get past like 10%. Uh, usually closer to about six. Uh, although, in in fairness, I haven't done a lot of epic level campaigns that had the opportunity for characters to pour their, their time and effort into building that degree of uh, reputation with a deity. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's not theoretically unfeasible, but that would be in extremis, you know, the, the most dedicated of players who has really hammered home, uh, you know, their character's devotion. Okay, maybe they got a crack at it. You know, yeah. they, they can get past that barrier, but... But if uh, you must use... I've always been a skin-flinted miser when oh, it comes you to, you know... Well, let's not be counting on the deities to do your job for you. You should have memorized more heal spells. Yep, and that's where the cleric gets a lot of their power from, is directly from the deity or its representatives. You know, they're busy on the golf course, you know, sometimes they don't want to do it, so they hand it off to their uh, secondaries. But nonetheless, so, you Help me, oh my deity. I gave you a whole list of spells. Good grief, how much more do you need? You're interrupting my golf game. Yep, and so... You should always use, when you do use Divine Intervention, try to be more subtle about it. There can always be something that happens miraculously, and that's fine. Um, sending servants of the deity, 
inappropriate to that whatever that deity is. Be it good, probably is going to be a good aligned outsider of some type. And, you know, to do a little healing or, you know, just even just give an, an idea. This idea suddenly pops into your mind. Or a vision. These are things you can use real subtle for a cleric. The party's getting really off track and, you know, you don't know how to really get the campaign back. A vision or dream to the cleric can often be all it takes to get everything back on track and get going. But, you know, that's up to you to use and it's always a good call to be like Mike and be miserly with it. Oh, and throw in a cost for it. Like, uh, say for instance, you decide that the party is extremely off track and the cleric is going to have a vision that you're going to give them that will put them in the right direction. Uh, send it as an epileptic bit with a pounding migraine afterwards that leaves the cleric with a minus one on ability checks for the next two oh, hours. Oh, well, you know, depending on what how big the clue is, I don't think that's personally necessary. Well, I think, you know, I always like to... One thing I like to do, and this is just the two opposing the views here, is I think this is good. Because I like to put... Uh, a few spells on the cleric's list. I will often ask, hey, what uh, spells are your cleric uh, praying for today? And in preparation, maybe uh, an augury, or if I know there's a lot of undead, a uh, magic circle of protection from evil. You know, those can all come in, but, you know, if it's really something big, you know, don't be afraid to throw that in there, too, an epileptic fit. Oh, my head, it's just like I had a bender this week. Oh, man. It's, oh, this is just killing me. Oh, well, what happened? Ah, oh, there's this big hammer hitting me on the head. Well, maybe Thor is not so happy with you. No, 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 no. I think something else is here. <laughs> so yeah, you know, do <laughs> that's that's what's great about having the two man format is that we can uh, uh, cross check each other sometimes, which we really don't do a whole lot. No, I mean for the most part, we've had so much common experience that uh, all we're really doing is. Uh, dropping unique hints, personal favorites, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, it may not necessarily perfectly sync up, oh, no. but are in the same ballpark. Yeah. If you got, if you really have to pull a player out of the fat out of the park, don't be afraid to penalize them later. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not Atlantic and Pacific here. You know, we are, uh, you know, this, we're in the same body of water, man. Maybe I'm the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> I don't know. Not the Great Lakes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, no, deities also have a thing that you should pay attention to in world building. Ah, yes. Is structure. It, yeah, is the structure. You can't go wrong doing a little reading on Carl Jung, uh, looking into archetypes. Um, uh, Joseph Campbell, too. Oh, yeah, Mr. Yep. Heart of Darkness himself. Mm -hmm. uh, these are worthwhile reads because you get a feel for the common theme running through the human experience. And if you're building a mythology out of nothing, uh, look at the mythologies that have cropped up throughout history. Look at the pantheons that people have created to bring structure to a very chaotic world. There's a lot to be gained uh, in terms of an understanding of where we get our notions from and uh, how our ideas begin to gel uh, and unique cultural differences that you know crisscross the globe. 
Uh, and yet, in spite of those cultural differences, the same themes crop up. Gods of storms, uh, goddesses of love and beauty. Uh, it, in one culture, you'll have a goddess who is of both war and wisdom, such as Athena. Or a goddess of earth, or a god of earth, or under the earth. God of the dead is always prevalent. God or goddess of the sea. Uh, one for the the sun and another for the moon, you begin to see these common threads that are kind of a wonderful reminder that the human experience is widely varied, but there's common threads running all the way through it. Yeah. Things and that bring us all together. And if you're writing a campaign and doing world building, uh, think about that delegation of authority, uh, that division of purpose that each deity should have its place, uh, its time, its strengths, its weakness, uh, its role. And those readings in things like Campbell and uh, Jung will help you do that. So yeah. totally recommend them. Worthy and, time. And make sure that, you know, deities should not be a, a drudge. They should be fantastic. They should add a Whip of the divine without being overwhelming. Use it like spice. A powerful spice can really ruin it if you throw too much in there. That's all you taste of cilantro. Well, heck. <laughs> I made a cilantro sandwich. But it's got turkey in it. <laughs> what comes on the garlic burger? Garlic? Yeah. What, what, what about the burger part? No, no, it's all garlic. <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to wear thin real quick if you hammer it home so much that there's no room for anything else. So in closing, uh, we would like to put up this one last thing is about how players with who are uh, real-life real religious folk who have uh, strong convictions feel about playing occasionally a cleric or uh, somebody who worships a deity. And Yeah, it's worth mentioning because I, I have run into some conflicts where mm -hmm. uh, players who are very devout uh, in their personal life uh, there are things that they find discomforting, and I have never objected to that at the table. Right. Like nobody should ever be obligated to participate in their own way uh, in a fashion that causes them personal discomfort. That is not kosher. Except so. that time I got lowered in the pit with the bone snappers. That, that scarred me. You're still on about that. I'm yeah, still, I'm, I'm still sorry, too. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, but, we're just But uh, the point being that you have these pantheistic systems uh, that are very, very different from our monotheistic world uh, in which we live. And I do want to hammer home that what people do at a game table is not real. No fireball is actually cast. No goblins actually die. Uh, all of that is pure fiction. Uh, likewise, the mythologies that are built up in-game are also entire fiction, and I encourage people to, you know, draw a line dividing between reality and fantasy, because this is fantasy role-playing games that we're talking about, and yeah. they're and a, enormous entertainment. I totally support them and love them. But they're purely fantastic, even no matter how much detail you put into something. It's all... Uh, it's all imagination. And we're in a realm of imagination. You can play the Willy Wonka theme. But 
we don't, you know, you don't make people feel uncomfortable. If they're not comfortable doing it, hey, that's fine. You know, somebody else can do it. Or, you know, you as yourself can, uh, as a DM, throw a cleric NPC for a mission or two if it's really needed. Yeah. You know, no harm, no foul. But in closing, I think that always um, use the divine for, to add a different layer to your campaign world. You won't be disappointed. Make sure that when you do use the gods and divine intervention, use it sparingly. And also, when you give out benefits and bonuses, look to the game balance. And don't forget those minus sides, because yep. wandering around profaning or, uh, you know, flattening a temple or uh, casually robbing a faithful servant of a deity can carry... Yeah, there you go. Diff- That's a good point, just to touch on for a brief minute. There's also all other penalties. Like, even if you are playing an a-religious group and they steal from a temple... That deity may take offense to them, and that can follow them around. So there's another reason why to always keep a mind out for your deities and what's going on with them, even to the people who don't worship them or hate them. Yeah, you really don't want to steal the uh, twin jewels from the eyes of the god of vengeance. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be my first point. Does, doesn't matter if they're 10,000 gold apiece. You better be ready to back that up. If what's this deity, uh, what's the statue dedicated to? The deity of uh, vengeance. I'm going to leave him right there. <laughs> Just pass. Some things, not worth the price. Right. <laughs> but all right, so we've had a lot of fun with the topic, and I think we've walked our distance around it. So great stuff, Mike. Oh, well, likewise, man. Yeah. You hit the big points. We we hit the power core. Yes, we, we were did. We, were, we even got a drum solo in there, too. Why, why is that? Yeah, well, why, why is it? No, Neil Pert stands alone. Yeah. We just have a match here. But anyway, thanks a lot, guys, for uh, and gals, Poke, uh, for sticking with us. We will be coming back to you Tuesday, so we hope if you got a game going this weekend, you get some good gaming going on. If not... Listen to us and tell us what you think, because we're always interested in talking about stuff that you guys want to hear. Oh, yeah. I feel like we're not, uh, we don't have a firmly written schedule of topics either. So, yeah. you know, if somebody throws an idea our way, oh, we're more than thrilled to, like, jump all over that. Yep. We'll be on it like stink on a monkey. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, we're going to cast off here. We're going to shove off from the pier, so we're weighing anchor, but we'll be coming back at you shortly. So have a great weekend, and may the the dice dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.